0: Chapter 14 of Saint Bonaventure's Life of Our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, by Saint Bonaventure. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 14 Our Lord's Life from the Twelfth to the Thirtieth Year of His Age. Our Lord Jesus, therefore, returned from the Temple and from Jerusalem with his parents to Nazareth. And lived under obedience with them till the beginning of his thirtieth year. Nor do we find in sacred scripture anything he did remarkable during that time. What then shall we admire in him, or conceive him to have done during so great an interval? For if he did anything worthy admiration, why was it not recorded as well as the rest of his actions? It seems surprisingly strange but take notice here that his doing nothing wonderful was a kind of miraculous action for nothing that attends his life is void of mystery while he was spending his life in practical virtue he kept silent seemingly inactive and abstracted this sovereign master then who was to teach all virtues and to point out the path of life began from his youth by sanctifying in his own person the practice of the virtuous life he came to teach and that in a private ineffable manner unheard of before that is appearing in the eyes of the world useless abject and simple as we may devoutly conceive without danger of rashness though i do not pretend to affirm anything of this kind or any other indeed which is not evidently confirmed by the holy scriptures, or the traditions of the Fathers, as I have already declared in the beginning of this work. Our Saviour, then, during this space of time, as we may reasonably conjecture, retired as much as possible from the company and conversation of men, spending much time in the synagogue, which was the church of that day, where, in the lowest place, he would remain for a long time recollected in fervent prayer to his divine father. Thence he would return home to his beloved mother and her blessed spouse, whose labour he would often alleviate by his assistance. He would pass and repass amidst the busy world about him, with an air of as little attention to their affairs as if he did not see mankind and these would stupidly wonder that so fine a youth should be seen to do nothing worthy their praise all expected him to make a shining and considerable figure among them for while he was a boy he increased equally in age and wisdom in the sight of god and man but growing up from his twelfth to his thirtieth year he was not remarkable for any actions either during his youth or manhood above the common sphere, which occasioned an universal surprise, and drew upon him the derision of the public, who used to call him a useless idiot, an insignificant creature, and a stupid mortal, or by some such opprobrious titles. Neither did he apply to any learning, insomuch that it became a kind of proverb to say that he was but an old miner. Such a life did he lead and persist in, though it brought him into contempt with all men, who looked upon him as mean and contemptible, which he previously foretold of himself by the mouth of his prophet, saying, I am a worm, and not a man. You see, then, how much our Lord did, though seeming to do nothing. He rendered himself mean and despicable to all, as I have already said. And certainly I know no greater or more difficult practice in all the duties of life than this. And they, in my opinion, may be said to have reached the very summit of Christian perfection who are so far advanced in it as to be able totally to overcome the arrogance of their flesh, and truly and unfeignedly to consent to be reputed as nothing and even contemned as mean and insignificant a victory over one's self of this nature is greater and more glorious than the sacking a strongly garrisoned town according to the words of solomon the patient man is better than the strong one and he that conquers his spirit than the conquerors of a city proverbs chapter sixteen until you arrive to this point never flatter yourself with having done anything for as in reality we are but useless even when we have done our best according to the words of christ till we attain to this degree of humility we are nothing at all but a vain and empty mass which the apostle very plainly expresses whoever thinks himself to be something being really nothing deceives himself galatians chapter six if you ask why our lord practised this i shall answer you that it was not on his own account but for your instruction and therefore christian if you do not profit from so great a lesson you become inexcusable for it is an abomination to see a worm and the destined food for worms strutting with arrogance and vainly raising himself when the lord of majesty deigns to stoop to so abject a degree of humiliation if any one should deem it an absurdity to believe that our lord jesus led for so long a time such a life of seeming inactivity as here mentioned and is rather disposed to think the evangelists defective in the accounts they give of him i answer in the first place that the example of so much and such great virtue cannot properly be called a state of inactivity since it was the most useful lesson he could give us as being properly speaking the foundation of all virtue secondly it is written in the gospel of st john when the comforter shall come the spirit of truth whom i sent to you from the father Who proceeds from the father he will give testimony of me and ye shall give testimony of me because you are with me that is in the quality of preachers from the beginning john chapter fifteen and peter says at the election of saint matthias the apostle it is proper out of these men etc from the time of our lord jesus entering in among us beginning from the baptism of john etc acts chapter 1 now he was then beginning about 30 years old luke chapter 3 john then had not been his precursor had jesus suffered them to preach sooner besides if he or they had begun their mission sooner how comes it that he was then so little among his neighbors that they should inquire is not this the carpenter's son matthew chapter thirteen when in a very short time after he was commonly called the son of david if then he had begun sooner to do anything remarkable something of it at least would have been hinted in holy scripture and all the evangelists would not have been so profoundly silent about him this seems to be the opinion of saint bernard as i shall hereafter quote him But, however the truth of it may be, I cannot but think it a very pious matter for meditation. It is thus the Lord Jesus forms the sword of humility, as the prophet foretold him. Gird on thy sword upon thy loins, O thou most powerful. Psalm 44 And with what sword was it more proper to conquer the infernal prince of pride than with that of humility? for we nowhere read of his having engaged him with the weapons of his greatness but the opposite ones even at the time of his passion when he seemed to stand in need of all his immensity hence the same prophet bemoans him to his heavenly father saying you have averted from him the help of his sword and have not assisted in the battle psalm one hundred and thirty-eight you see then christian reader how our lord began first how to do and then to teach acts chapter one designing one day to invite you to the imitation of him with those ineffable words learn from me for i am meek and humble of heart matthew chapter eleven this then was the virtue he first chose to practise and that not in outward show only but from the inmost recesses of his heart for he was truly meek and humble of heart he was incapable of fiction and therefore readily humbled himself to seem and be mean and abject in the eyes of men insomuch that even after he began to preach his sublime and heavenly doctrine and confirmed it with miracles their contempt of him continued and they would often say of him in derision who is this is not this the carpenter's son matthew chapter thirteen with other like scornful expressions according to this sense then it appears how truly the apostle said he exanimated himself taking the form of a servant philippians chapter two and not only of a servant, in one sense, by taking human flesh, but in the lowest sense of the word, that is, he took the form of a useless servant, by the lowliness and abject manner of his living. Would you see how powerfully our Lord put on this sword? Consider his every action, and you will find humility shining in all its lustre. Do but recollect and you will find it in every action hitherto taken notice of, and in those which follow you may observe that he was so far from neglecting the practice of it, that he increases in humility during his whole life, giving us frequent lessons of it, to the hour of his death, and even after death, nay, after his ascension. Did not he, towards his end, wash his disciples' feet? Was he not extremely humbled by the cross he bore on his divine shoulders? Did he not, after his resurrection, when in a glorified state, call his disciples brethren? Go, says he to Mary Magdalene, and tell my brethren, etc. John chapter 20. And even after his ascension did he not converse familiarly with Paul, and as humbly as if he had been his equal saul saul why persecutest thou me acts chapter nine where he does not call himself god but me and finally at the great and tremendous day of judgment will he not from his majestic and awful tribunal say as long as ye have done it to one of the least of my brethren you have done it to me matthew chapter twenty five it was not without reason our saviour showed such a love for humility he knew that as pride is the foundation of all sin so humility is the basis of every virtue and the first step to salvation It is but a tottering edifice that is not built upon the groundwork of humility. Wherefore, trust not to your chastity, to your poverty, or any other virtue you are possessed of, unless it be accompanied with, and supported by, humility. It was Christ, then, that first laid this foundation, and showed how it is to be acquired, namely, by vilifying and lowering himself in his own esteem, and in the opinion of all the world, and by the uninterrupted exercise of self-humiliation. Go you, then, O attentive Christian, and do the like, if you would be perfectly humble, as becomes a Christian. For humility, self-contempt, and the practice of lowly and vilifying work must precede all other virtues, in relation to which, thus says St. Bernard, humility. Which is obtained by humiliation is the basis of all spiritual structures. For humiliation is as truly the way to humility as patience is to peace, or reading to knowledge. If you thirst after humility, be not averse to humiliation. For if you cannot stoop to humiliation, you will never be able to rise to humility. And in another place, whoever means to raise himself above himself must set out by thinking meanly of himself lest soaring above his sphere he fall beneath it for want of being perfectly grounded in humility and as there is no becoming in reality great but by the merit of endeavouring to be little therefore whoever is desirous of rising to perfection must restrain himself by humility that humility may raise him. Wherefore, gentle reader, when you see yourself humbled, rejoice at it. It is a good sign, and an argument of approaching grace. For as the heart is exalted before a fall, so before exaltation it is humbled. Proverbs chapter 16. For it is alike written, that God resists the proud, and gives grace to the humble james chapter four and a little farther he adds it is doing but little to submit to the humiliations which come immediately from god unless we learn to accept tearfully those he is pleased to send us by the means of his creatures learn an admirable example of this from holy david who being cursed by a servant was too much animated with grace to be moved with resentment of the injury what is there says he between me and you o sons of Servi? fourth kings chapter 14. O true man according to god's own heart not moved to indignation or anger by the scornful reproaches of a slave well might he say with a safe conscience if I return evil to those that did evil to me psalm seven let this much suffice at present on the virtue humility now let us return to the life and actions of christ which is and ought to be the mirror of ours and the principal object of our intention be present then as i have often exhorted you to all that relates to him and contemplate that blessed family small indeed in number but great in dignity rich in grace and virtue but poor and humble in their manner of living the venerable old man joseph sought with all possible industry as much employment in his humble profession as his feeble age would permit him to go through and our lady was as diligent at her manual labour besides the business of her family which we may suppose was not little the preparing of food for her divine son her blessed spouse and self with other domestic labours arising from this were all done with her own hands as she was too poor to have any one to help her compassionate her therefore for the laborious life she leads compassionate likewise our divine lord who shares with both their most laborious occupations, for he came to minister, and not to be ministered to, as he himself says. Matthew chapter 20. Fancy, then, you see him busied along with his beloved parents in the most servile work of their little mansion. Devoutly imagine you see these three sacred persons sitting at their frugal meals, not made up of dainties or expensive food, flattering to the palate and inflaming to the passions but composed of the coarse and homely provisions usual among the poorest people what sublime what heavenly conversation passes between them no vain no idle discourse finds admittance there but every sentence is holy full of wisdom and dictated by the holy ghost o ineffable banquet where the mind is no less substantially nourished than the body. After their meals, all retire to prayers, each to their little separate chambers. Our Blessed Lady to hers, St. Joseph to his, and our Saviour to his. Follow our Divine Lord in your mind, and view Him devoutly persisting in fervent prayer to His Heavenly Father in this little cell after spending the greatest part of his nights in heavenly contemplation he reposes the remaining part on the ground as meanly as the poorest of his creatures thus do you each night endeavor to accompany him in your mind o concealed divinity why do you thus afflict that precious that innocent body so continually when the fatigue of one such night might suffice to redeem the whole world did the excess of your love urge you to all this such was your ardent zeal for the lost sheep you came to convey to heaven on your divine shoulders must you o king of kings eternal god who supply the wants of all who afford all persons of all stations what is requisite for them Must you, I say, be subject to poverty, meanness, and hardship, watching and fasting, and must every circumstance of your life be attended with severity? What then shall become of those who seek nothing but ease, luxury, and vanity? Surely we did not learn this kind of empty pursuits from this mortified master. Are we then wiser than he is? No, he has taught us both by word and by example humility, poverty, mortification of the flesh, and exercise of the body. Let us then improve from the lessons of this sublime teacher who neither will nor can deceive. And according to the apostle's advice, having food and raiment, let us be content with them. Timothy chapter six. And make such use of them as proper necessity requires, but not to superfluity. At the same time, carefully and constantly attending to the spiritual study and exercise of other Christian virtues End of chapter fourteen